This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 116. Oh, well, at that time, I was uh, too stupid to quit. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What up, Brandon? What up? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. It's a beautiful spring, sunny day. Enjoying nice. life, you know? You're, what about yourself? Things are good. I, I've had kind of a dry spell with buying rental properties in a while, and I'm getting two next week, so it's kind of exciting. And uh-huh. my apartment complex refinance went through, or goes through tomorrow. So this was a very, very good week in, in many regards. So Wow, does it hurt? Uh, what, what hurts? Patting yourself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my arm's getting a little sore. I'm, I'm just asking. It's I mean, been, it's been you know. a, I'm going to leave a success story in the forums because I like to brag about it. And there's a quick tip for everyone today is leave a success story when you do something cool. Let other there people know. It makes people happy. Awesome. So, awesome. But the real right. quick tip we should probably get to, right? We should. We should. All right. Today's quick tip quick is tip. on, quick tip. Yeah. On the topic of wholesaling. Yeah. So. Why why don't you give this one? Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. So I wrote an article the other day, and that's why we're bringing this up. So there's also a very, very good thread in the forums right now about wholesaling, uh, about the danger of wholesaling, actually, in like the state of Ohio and a few other states, they're really cracking down on wholesalers. And so I wrote this article called, Is Real Estate Wholesaling Illegal? You can get to it at biggerpockets.com slash illegal wholesaling. Uh, It's just really important to, to know how you're wholesaling and what you're doing, because if you do it wrong, you could end up with a fine and breaking the law, which is very bad. So I mean, basically it kind of surrounds around the concept of what, you, what is a broker and what do you have to have a license, a real estate license to do and what don't you? And there's a lot of debate and a lot of discussion, but uh, anyway, again, read that article. If you are, are even remotely interested in wholesaling, make sure you check out the article at biggerpockets.com slash illegal wholesaling. Yeah, and it, it it's a it gives a really good perspective on the topic. It's not going to give you the law. Yeah, um, we're not lawyers. But, yeah, we're not lawyers. But but I almost was. Sh- uh, uh, yeah, was you were almost. Uh, okay, I almost went to law school, but that's not almost the same yeah. thing, right? Well, well, I like how I'm this is all about you. Once billionaire, again. once again, well, it yeah, usually uh, is. You know, yeah, that's what that's well, all the wow, audience cares okay. about. Can we can we go on? Move on, moving on, whatever. Seriously, <laughs> wow. All right, guys. Today's pro tip is. Pro tip. This- <laughs> listen to the bigger pockets previous webinars you can check them out not, you know, not just listen but watch you can listen video. you can watch we, we do webinars every week you can check them out at biggerpockets.com slash pro replay that's biggerpockets.com slash pro replay including the most recent one how to quit your job through the power of real estate investing. So if you're a pro member, definitely check out that video. And uh, that's just another reason to check out biggerpockets.com slash pro. Uh, with that, why don't we get on to today's show? Today on the show, we're going to talk to Nasser El-Rabi, who used flipping and wholesaling as a means to quit his job. And he shares uh, all about the struggles that he faced in, in doing that. He also talks a lot about how uh, he's using these active investment strategies to build a rental property portfolio. I know that that's the goal of a lot of our listeners. So I uh, definitely want you guys to pay very close attention to this one. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. You've heard us talk about it before. High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? 
With Fundrise, America's largest direct-to-investor alternative asset manager, you have the opportunity to. Fundrise's new opportunistic private credit strategy was designed specifically for this new market environment. Fundrise supplies high-demand bridge financing on high-quality assets with credit-worthy borrowers. Top real estate investors get the funding they need while you walk away getting paid a healthy interest rate. To date, Fundrise has completed more than $500 million worth of private credit deals with an average net interest of 10.8%, and they've already amassed a pipeline worth more than $300 million. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can take advantage of this unique window of opportunity while it lasts with Fundrise's new private credit strategy. Ready to start? Go to Fundrise.com pockets to learn more. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. With that, let's get to uh, the interview. Uh, today's guest is uh, Nasser. So uh, Nasser, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you on board. Thank you for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Like being on the- Bigger Pockets podcast is like you actually made it in life. <laughs> You're the Duru, man. Come on. We've made it by having the Duru on the show. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, we have- I really appreciate it, though. Yeah, Thank no you. problem. Well, you know, we appreciate, I see you around a lot. You know, I see you on Facebook. I see you on Bigger Pockets. I see you on other, you know, podcasts. You're all over the place, right? Like, I don't know, you're always giving good advice and good stuff. So, of course, we had to get you on. I've been thinking that actually for like a year now. Like, man, we got to get you on the show. So, I'm glad we finally did. Let's begin at the beginning because that's a good place to start. How did you get invested? How did you get started investing in real estate? Not how did you get invested starting in real estate? That would be weird. How did you get started? <laughs> <laughs> All right, how'd you get started? Well, basically, what happened was um, I was born and raised in New Jersey. Oh, man. I'm I sorry. thought I smelled something funny. Yeah, but I, I was, was thinking it. I was thinking it. <laughs> Just kidding, New Jersey so, and Darren Sager. I was born and raised in New Jersey. <laughs> and a few years ago, um, when I was 19, um, I'm 31 now, but when I was 19, what happened was my fa- I overheard my father and his friend talking about the guy next door who flipped the house. And basically, um, my father and a friend was saying how the guy bought the house for $150,000, put $20,000, and sold it to two seventy. dollars Now, me being 19, I'm, I was in the back seat calculating like, whoa, that's $100,000 off of one house. I got to get into real estate. So one day, um, I was sitting on my porch and... The guy who actually um, flipped the house pulled up and he pulls up with this brand new, um, whatever year it was, brand new white Range Rover and this beautiful model woman hopping out the passenger seat. So were they shooting a commercial or was this one of the gurus, you know, like, hey, we're going to shoot a commercial here. No. (laughs) No, it wasn't a commercial. But at that point, at 19, I said, I'm sold. I'm doing real estate. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how did that work itself out? I mean, you know, you're 19. Did you start then? Did you, uh, you know, know, just kind of do something else for a while and then get into it? How how did it eventually happen? Well, basically, see, I I don't know about you guys, but with me, when I was any age before 26, I pretty much knew everything. So, yep. Yep. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. (laughs) I know nothing I was, now, but I knew everything. Like <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was the same way. So I was vice president of the world until I, I stepped down <laughs> from that position. That's when I started making progress in life. However, so at 19, when I first found out about this cool real estate thing, the first people that I asked how to get started in real estate is people who don't do real estate. So that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I went <laughs> I went to my father and asked him, how do I get started in real estate? And he said, hey, look, I'll send you to my friend who repairs credit. And then you can um, you can get started in real estate. He'll help you buy a house because at the time they were doing like um, the no doc loans. Yeah. Okay. Right. So what happened was I was in college and I was working. And in the meantime, I was just fixing up my credit because that's what I thought that you had to do. So I was in undergrad and I was about 24 at the time and I watched the flip that house shows Yep, and I was studying those. Okay. So that was my course. Nice. All right. <laughs> I, took the, I took the I'm, same I'm, course. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little worried about what happens next. <laughs> okay. So, 
studying the Flip Those House shows and the HGTV and studying all those shows, I knew all the characters' names by heart, first and last name. Well, that makes you qualified to buy real estate, by the way. <laughs> Correct. That's what I thought. So me and my friend, <laughs> we came up with this idea. We said, look, man, let's go flip a house. All we got to do is buy the house, get out some contractors, and you know we can make a whole bunch of money. Oh, yeah. Right. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) so, and just for everyone listening, buying a house after watching Flip That House is similar to performing open heart surgery after watching ER. Okay. (laughs) So it's it's the same thing. So I just want to warn everybody before I I finish the story. (laughs) So we did everything wrong in the book. Fortunately, fortunately, we were able to sell that house for a seven thousand dollar loss a piece, so we lost fourteen grand, seven thousand a piece um, loss that we were able to sell that house. Fortunately, we got lucky because we bought the house in 07 and we sold in 08. and then that's when I had my degree. So that's when I just moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Okay. So your first deal, you ended up losing money on. You said about seven grand a piece between you and your partners. You lost fourteen, fifteen grand somewhere in there. Yes. Okay, that that sucks, but that that is, I mean, that's an expensive education. But uh, you know, some people go and spend twenty or thirty or fifty or a hundred thousand dollars on, you know, some boot camp or training course to try to make that. So you know, you did what you did. You learned from it. Maybe we can talk about that. What did you learn from it? What did you do wrong? You said you did every mistake in the book. What did you do wrong? And tell us really quick as you do that. Like, tell us the numbers on the house if if you don't mind. Uh, you know, purchase. Uh, you know, sale. You name it. Okay. All right. So. Now, I don't remember the exact numbers. All I remember is the loss about it, but I don't remember the exact numbers because we purchased this in 07, so this is about eight years ago. Yeah, So I I couldn't tell you the exact numbers. However, I know that we spent, I think we bought the house for $160,000, but spent $30,000 into it, and we paid the mortgage for, uh, we had the house for about eight, nine months. So we uh, paid the mortgage for that long and we end up selling it for 210 or 215 or something around there. And then, of course, the realtor convinced us to give him a, a bonus on top of his 3% commission. On top of his 3% commission. Yes. The reason why he said we should put the bonus in there because the house wasn't selling. Mm hmm. And being that the house was a seller, he's like, man, you might have to offer more incentives to, uh, to, to get the house sold. So you should so, pay the realtor more money because they can't sell the house. Uh, am I correct? Am I, am now, I yeah, that's, you're, you're hearing that correct. And when we <laughs> added, when we did the bonus, mysteriously, he popped up with a buyer the, the next few days. <laughs> oh, wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> That's a story. All right. All right. So, yeah. so that, well, that is a technique that I've used in the past, but I give it to the, the, you know, the agent who brings the buyer, right? So I've done that a few times and I don't know if it actually has worked or not. You know, it's hard to tell. It's not like you're doing, yeah. but I, I've done that where I've offered seven or 8%, uh, you know, commission total, but I offer my agent only the three he's normally gets and I offer four or five to the, you know, the other agent. Uh, and then the one time I did that, my agent brought a buyer and got the whole entire thing also. But anyway, okay. So you, yeah, uh, you did that. You, you paid all the money. He brought a buyer. Any what other else mis- did you mess up? Yeah. All right. So basically what I did, instead of going in the house and finding, uh, going to get on the ground and find a good deal myself, I went through a realtor and I later learned from Robert Kiyosaki not to trust salespeople, only listen to rich people. So yeah. the, 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 the realtor told me that this was a great deal. And at the time, being that I knew everything, I, I thought the only way was to buy a house was to, you know, get a bank loan and, you know, go through a realtor. So we paid too much for the house. Another- so you listened you listen wholeheartedly. I, I mean, let, 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 me, let me back it up. At this point, you didn't know how to evaluate a deal. You yeah. were kind of going on trust that the real estate agent knew how to evaluate the deal and was going to put you in a good deal. That's correct. Isn't okay. that what happened on TV? A, that's what happens on TV, and B, that's what that's what a lot of amateur real yep. estate investors do. And and you know, let me let me take this chance to to kind of you know say what I need to say here about this, which is I hear a rant coming. No, it's not. But inherently, real estate agents, you know, their job is to help you uh, be successful. 
And, you know, we love agents. Agents are great. You know, I've got an agent who's helping me buy a house right now. You know, he's amazing. The guy knows everything backwards and forward. He's brilliant. Okay. Those are the guys you need to work with. The guys who, you know, if you're an investor or if you're thinking about becoming an investor, you want to make sure that the real estate agent you work with knows real estate investing. Just going to some old investor out of nowhere is is not going to work for you. So we actually put together this thing, this agent's guide um, uh, to, to real estate, working with real estate investors. And it's amazing. If, if you're a real estate agent and you want to check out this guide, it's biggerpockets.com slash agent guide, uh, A-G-E-N-T-G-U-I-D-E. And it literally, it spells out the basics of real estate investing. It spells out what investors are looking for, the psychology, things like that. And and it's extremely helpful to anyone who's a real estate agent. Uh, but again, also, I ju- that should be up on Amazon by this point too. We're recording this interview a little bit a few weeks ahead of time, and that's on the slate to be up on Amazon in the Kindle store. So look there too. Anyway, so but, that's that's my not every agent is bad, but not all agents are educated enough to be an advocate for you and to have your best interests because they understand, fully understand investing. And and our goal is to try and help that uh, a little more. So sorry to cut you off, but I I thought it was kind of important for for the listeners to kind of hear that. Yeah. I think people rely way too much on their agent. I mean, I had an agent, I've said this before on the show, but I had an agent one time tell me, like he was giving me a hard time because I was offering too low on properties. He said I was responsible for the eroding economy. Uh, Oh, nice. I I should offer more because that would help the economy turn around. And so like, yeah, most agents don't know what they're doing when it comes to real estate. So, (laughs) And bad agents get people in trouble. Like, I mean, poor Nasser, man. I mean, this guy is in a property that, you know, granted, you didn't know how to evaluate a rehab. You didn't know how to estimate the cost. You didn't know how to do anything. So you had no place doing what you were doing in the first, right? But that agent was part and parcel to your failure. You know, they played a role in you being a failure because they did not, you know, they weren't there to help you. Yeah. And I I agree with you, Josh, but I I learned to take ownership and responsibility. It was my fault. It it, it was all my fault. You know, I I knew everything and I was too good to read a book to learn about real estate investing because uh, Flip That House taught me everything. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you have any other tips for people who are, you know, in that stage of their life? Like when you were young and you thought you knew everything, you know, maybe in their early twenties and they want to get into real estate, you know, that's a a pretty good chunk of our audience are the younger people. Uh, what, what kind of tips do you give them in, you know, to go forward? Slow down, just slow down, learn and focus on that one thing that you want. Uh, slow down, learn, and focus on that one thing that you want. A lot of people probably, uh, a lot of people come on bigger pockets. A lot of people approach me; they want to learn about wholesaling. Well, just focus on wholesaling. Don't focus on short sales. Don't focus on being a realtor. Don't focus on uh, rehab. If just focus on wholesaling, and just be be able to just learn about that and ask questions and find those successful investors in your market yep. and hang out on bigger pockets in your spare time. <laughs> so. It's, it's 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 the things like that that's going that that usually separates you know the people who actually get things done from people who don't love it. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I did wrong that I wanted to talk about is um, always pay attention to the comps, like the closed sales, not what's first sale, but the closed sales. That first deal, I totally ignored the um, the closed sale, and my partner had a aunt that's a realtor. So she told us, well, um, you, um, she's like, well, look, I can probably sell it for about 225 because this comps were at 220 closed. Now I had a friend who just got his license. Notice I said friend. So <laughs> my friend walked in there and said, man, I can get you $280,000. Man, this is beautiful. <laughs> so he said, oh, this, this is going to be an easy sell. You know what? I got somebody uh, a three fifty. Right <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever you want to hear, I'll tell it to you. Right. So he, he did that whole thing. And now at 31, I know not to use that word friend so loosely. Um, <laughs> so, of, of course, uh, he did not perform. Right. And uh, we didn't um, we, we did we didn't sell the house, um, obviously. And we went with a um, after him, we went with a um, another agency called Foxton. 
which is located in New Jersey. And they actually went under at that time because they were paying their realtors a salary. They were giving them um, little green mini cars, the mini Cooper cars that had Fox and all over. It, it was a New Jersey based company. I think okay. it was in a few other states, but they went out of business. So Fox then ended up selling their listings to Century 21 before they went under uh, because they had all these agents on salaries, paying for gas, paying car notes and all these other things. And real estate just wasn't selling at that time. So with that being said, we got with this other agent and uh, we end up selling the property less than what my friend told me, uh, what my friend's aunt said that we she can get for it. And but um, we did start the listing price at that, but we ended up getting less. But we got rid of it, and I was happy. Right on, right on. All right, cool. man. So lots of lessons, lots of lessons learned. Don't trust friends. Don't trust your aunt's, you know, no, judgment. Sorry. Don't. <laughs> no offense to your aunt who's listening. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> I apologize in advance. Um, <laughs> so you, you get through this deal. You're down for seven k. You know, probably you know you're a young kid at the time. I'm sure that was a hit. Yes. So. How, how'd you get back into it? I mean, you know, a lot of people would say, oh man, you know what? I'm a big fat loser. I can't do this. I'm out. Um, what, what got you to get back in and then what'd you end up doing next? Oh, well at that time I was uh, too stupid to quit. Nice. Um, so yeah. That's been the was, title of this show right here. That <laughs> is the title of the show. Awesome. So yeah, I, I was too stupid to quit. <laughs> so um, I moved down to Charlotte in 2008. So I said to myself, well, the market is bad. At least that's what the news is saying. So this is not a fix and flip market. This is more of a a buy and hold market. So let me go buy some rentals. So 2008, I bought a rental, the traditional way, still using those realtors and things like that. Um, Bought one in 08, bought one in 2009. I tried to buy a third one in 2009, but my debt to income ratio was too high. Yep. So I was I was stuck like, oh, man, my real estate investing career is over with um, two houses. What what am I going to do now? <laughs> so can I, um, can I jump in? Yeah. I'm going to explain that real quick for those people who yeah. don't know what debt to income is real quickly. So basically, banks have like this requirement of, uh, you know, they'll allow you, let's say, 40 percent debt to income, which means that of your total income, the total amount of debt you have can't go past that percentage. It might be 30, 35, 40. Back then it was like 50. And then they have like a, um, you know, a higher debt team. What's it called? Uh, the uh, Anyway, there's like a upper and lower debt to income. One includes the mortgage and one doesn't. But anyway, so it's a number that basically the more debt you get, the more rental properties you get, the harder it is to get more rental properties. It's a problem every investor eventually faces when you're trying to buy conventional mortgage, like real estate through conventional mortgages. Because every mortgage adds to your debt. And, uh, you know, pretty soon that creeps up. You might be at 30, then 35, then 40, then 45, 50. And I mean, today I can't get a conventional loan from a bank no matter what I wanted to because my debt to income is way too high. Uh, and so that's why people eventually go into other avenues or more creative finance. So anyway, back to you. Hey, Nasser, re- really quick. And, and I want to get back to you, but there's an important question that comes up. Um, you're talking about buying these rental properties. You told me you lost $7,000 on this property. Your kid... Were you working? How how are you getting money to actually pick up these rental properties? What were you doing? Okay. So in 2008, um, I moved down to Charlotte and got into banking. And for those who don't know, Charlotte is the number two biggest banking city behind New York City. So I I got into banking, but I I was only, I started off like 10 and 12 bucks. Um, What it was, I had some money saved up. Before going to Charlotte, I had some money saved up uh, previously due to my mother passed at a young age. So, and I had money saved up from that. It, it, it wasn't a lot. I pretty much uh, made horrible decisions and it got really, 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 really low. Whereas I didn't know what I was going to do at one point because when you have, when you're making $12 an hour or so in the call center, you got two vacant properties and you got to get them fixed. So it, it's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So, I mean, things got tight. Yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks. I mean, that's helpful. It gives people context like, hey, this guy magically bought these properties. Maybe he got no, what what did he do? How do you pick up these rentals? So no, that that explains it. So you're talking about picking up these rental properties and then you were kind of progressing. Progressing. And then the bank punched me in the face. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) hey, they like doing that. (laughs) Right. So they like doing that. And um, I know Brandon just explained debt to income and let me just say this. Um, they're not paying me to say this, but Brandon Turner's book, 
investing <laughs> with no money down explains everything. I'm actually listening to Look it on audible.com right now. Nice. So that it, it explains everything. So pick that up if you're new. It, it's, it, it really explains that. I'm not getting paid to say that. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. So, Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. So with that being said, being that I got punched in the face by the bank, I was lost. I, I hated my life at the time because I was only making like twelve fifty, and I was in the call center. And it was, I don't know if you guys ever worked in the call center, but the call center it w- was just horrible. Yeah, I had a lot of friends that did it, and they said it was the worst job ever. Correct. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. So that pretty much explains it. It sums it up. <laughs> so me, me being young and knowing everything, I went in there and I used to display my frustration with basically saying, hey, look, I need to make $40,000 because I have this college degree and the world owes me this. I need to apply for supervisor position. Or I need to be in another department or I need to I need to move up in this company. You yeah. know, damn it. My name is Nasser. You guys got to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it's, have some humble pie, man. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, um, um, I was a guy who definitely wasn't going anywhere in that call center. Um, so with that, and, and this was like the, um, the Wachovia headquarters. Okay. All right. So this was the headquarters. So there was a lot of room for growth. Just, I didn't get, I didn't get any of it. And Wells Fargo brought him out. And one day I set up a meeting with the site director and by me setting this meeting with the site director and I tell people not to do this. Now you never tell your job. You're an entrepreneur. Never do that. So I told my job I was an entrepreneur because I like to learn things the hard way. So he recommended, <laughs> uh, he recommended a book called rich dad, poor dad. He said, man, you should read that book. And I, um, cause I told him what I was doing and I told him my goals. I didn't tell him my corporate goals. I told him my, my actual real estate goals, which was pretty stupid, but he recommended <laughs> this book called, um, rich dad, poor dad. And, um, that book changed my life. It said, and this is the thing that stuck out to me in that book. It said, just because you own four houses does not make you a real estate expert. You have to learn about real estate before investing in real estate. Just because you own some stocks does not make you a stock expert. You have to learn about stocks before investing in stocks. So I had to put the book down and realize I missed the step. And I never actually learned about real estate. Yeah. Because I knew everything. By the way. Yes. That's why Bigger Pockets exists. I, too, was too stupid to quit. <laughs> too stupid to know I was too stupid. And- <laughs> And, you know, I, I went and bought property without doing any of the work. I was yep. like, I'm a smart guy. I can figure this out. Yep. And that's why Bigger Pockets exists today is because I realized, holy crap, I am so wrong. I am so stupid and I need help. And, and now we're helping, you know, millions of people. So it's a beautiful thing. It, it, yes. And, um, I joined the RIA after that, and I found out about this thing called wholesaling, that you can actually um, wholesale houses, what I was told, without money or credit. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And the way I found out, because like one of the first meetings, I stood up in the room and told them, hey, look, I, I want to sell my houses that I own. I can't buy any more houses. The bank said that my debt to income is too high. And um, I need help. So if anybody want to buy these houses, cause I want to buy more. And somebody said, that's only a problem. If you want it to be a problem, you know, none of us can qualify for a loan. So, and then he took me to the, he took me to the corner after the meeting and told me, talked me about the thing called wholesaling and creative real estate. And I was hooked at yeah. that point. Nice. That's great. Okay. So fast forward from then to today, I'm guessing you've done a whole bunch of deals. How many deals have you done uh, thus far? Uh, somewhere between probably close to a hundred, not a quite a hundred since then, okay. since wow. 2010. That's okay. awesome. And what, what were those? Are those all wholesaling or majority wholesaling and, um, some rehabbing and I'm, I'm a landlord now too, as well. A better landlord. I buy okay. better. Nice. Well, what, what, what does better landlord mean? I mean, besides the fact that you didn't know what you were doing, what makes you a better landlord than you were? I evaluate the deal to make sure that it makes sense on the front end okay. before I, I buy it. And I follow a method that um, the way I buy my deals are cash, my my rentals. I, I picked up two last year. My goal is to pick up four this year. And I'm doing a lot of the bulk of my business wholesaling and rehabbing. So 
the way I buy my deals are cash, owner financing, or subject to. Okay. Okay. Well, owner financing is subject to, I would only take it if the um, the rent is 200, at minimum, 200% of the mortgage payment. So if that if that if that rent is if that mortgage payment or owner financing is three fifty with with taxes and insurance, that property needs to rent out a minimum of seven hundred dollars a month for me. For me okay. to take that on. Okay. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners' capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash bigger pockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. So your strategy here is work a job. Uh, I'm assuming at some point you quit your job and you, you're no, full- I got fired. Oh, you got fired for being an entrepreneur. No, I got fired because <laughs> I couldn't do the job and I was real stupid. Oh, oh okay. okay. Well, when, there, when, was there, there. when was that? When was that? 
September of 2012, they fired me. Okay. And okay. was that the last time you had the job? I mean, did you go full-time after that? That's correct. I, I had a job and, 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 and it wasn't one of those surprise fires. I knew I was going to get fired. I couldn't do the job. And they gave me a lot of choices and I, I mean, a lot of chances. And they finally just, you know, cut the puppet string and realized like, hey, let's get this guy out of here. The, the way it happened, I told him I need some time off because my grandfather died. And I had to go two and a half hours away for Lumberton. I guess they said, hey, how about just not come back? So <laughs> it, they, they called me in the room and, and, and they fired me. But I knew it was going to happen eventually because I really couldn't do the job. Yeah. But I did have like a sexy uh, job title. It was my job title was policy review analyst. Oh. So, yeah, I, I got a lot of women because of that. So, <laughs> what does that do? Nobody knows. You didn't even know, which is why you got fired. So it's okay. <laughs> right. So I didn't even know we did. That's why, that's why I got fired. So I with that, with, with that being said, um, I, I got fired. I got fired in September of 2012. Before I got fired, I turned down two job offers because a friend of mine I was talking to, and she said, "Look, Nasser, you're only going to be 29 once. You can always go back and get another job." And that pretty much confirmed it. I said, yep, I'm going to sit here and let these people fire me and I'm going to go full-time in real estate. Gotcha. Nice. And that's what I did. So it sounds to me, I mean, you've got a plan, right? You know, yes. Your overarching plan, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this. I'm going to wholesale. I'm going to flip property. So I'm going to be an active real estate investor who's working a new job, which is flipping and wholesaling. And I'm going to take the funds from that, whatever I don't need to kind of live and survive, and I'm going to plow that into rental properties. Is, is that kind of a fair assessment of, of what you're trying to do here? That's a fair assessment of what I'm trying to do here now. Um, okay. But it didn't start like that. Well, sure. Right. Okay. And, and, and so do you see that kind of looking at the big picture, right? You're, you, know, you said you're 31? Yes. All right. So, I mean, you know, if you do that for the next X number of years, you'll have a portfolio of a sizable portfolio, probably bringing in enough of money where you're not necessarily needing to do the work part, the, the wholesaling and rehabbing and potentially shift gears at that point. Is that kind of what you're thinking long-term? That, that's correct. And okay. um, hopefully, with, hopefully within the next three years, I get in a position that I don't have to work as hard to find a deal because when you're wholesaling and rehabbing, you live deal to deal. Yeah. Especially just starting out, I was, you know, I was wholesaling. I average on three deals a month. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed. Um, I'm the go-to guy here in Charlotte, so a lot of people bring me deals. And so, w- with that being said, I average about three deals a month. But after like last month, I probably made about um, twenty-two thousand dollars last month in January. Wow. H- however, this month I haven't made no money. I don't have any. I just got a deal in the contract yesterday that someone brought me in. I got to get that sold so I can create a check this month. And that $22,000, yeah, it sounds good, but I got hard money payments too. Yeah. Now, sir, I love that you're talking about this. I love how open you are about it because I think a lot of new investors um, are like, hey, you know, I could do this. I did a deal. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and become a wholesaler or, or rehab or whatever it is. And you said it perfectly. This is a month-to-month thing. This is a deal-to-deal thing. I've talked to guys who've been doing this for a long time, and they say the same damn thing. It's a deal-to-deal thing. It's a job. And you know, if, if for some reason, like this month, you couldn't get any good deals, you don't get food on the plate, potentially, if you don't have money backed up. So um, there is a lot of risk in just saying, you know what, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm I'm going to go and wholesale full time or I'm going to flip houses full time uh, unless you have, you know, a, a good amount of money kind of sitting in the bank to kind of protect you. That's, that's correct. That's correct. I mean, yeah. wholesaling is rough and you have to be good at money management because um, you don't know when your next deal is coming. Of yeah. course, we like to think that we're going to get the next deal the next week or the next month, but sometimes it doesn't happen like that. But you yeah. knew when you were 24, 26, 19, that that, that money was coming, right? I mean, <laughs> it was coming, period. Like, you didn't even have to think about it. 
<laughs> so I want to I want to shift gears. Not even shift gears. I just want to like expand on this topic of of quitting your job a little bit because uh, you know, there's a lot of people listening to the show who have c- terrible, crappy, dead end jobs that they don't like. And a couple of weeks back, I did a webinar on how to quit your job here on Bigger Pockets, and uh, you know it was it was it was a popular webinar, very popular, probably the most popular I've done, just because it was on that topic of p- the thing people hate their jobs and want to quit. Um, so maybe you can kind of shed some light on that, on the idea of like, when should somebody consider quitting their job? And do you think wholesaling is the best path to do that? All right. So wholesale is not a good fit for everybody. We have to evaluate your, your, your skills and personality to make sure that wholesaling has work, worked for you. Because I've, I know a few successful investors that, you know, accumulated a lot of rental property because that was their strong point or they had access to money or they were good at, you know, negotiating great terms and they would just build up this portfolio until it was big enough to they left their job the right way. That was my plan. But of course, God plans was different. So it didn't happen like that. Yep. So with that um, being said, wholesale is not right for everybody. I know some people who quit their job from rehabbing. They just started rehabbing. You know, it just depends on your situation. Because what it takes to be a successful wholesaler, everybody doesn't have those skills and everybody's not willing to do what it takes. And what are what are those skills? And what do you need to do to be good at wholesaling? Sales, negotiating, and marketing. And when I say, let, let, let's tap on that marketing. Yeah. Mar- you have to keep having marketing out consistently. Um, I sent out 1,800 postcards in January to close a deal for February and I have got no deals from that yet. So, yeah. right. Yep. So that happens. Thank you so, for saying that. Thank yeah. you. For saying, again, again, something that I, I, we haven't talked about, like you have to have a funnel going, you know, from last month, to next month, like a lot of people think, Hey, I'm going to market till I get that deal. Then I'm going to stop marketing and wait, then things are going to dry up for you. You can't stop marketing. You always have to be marketing if you're going to be a successful wholesaler. Isn't that right? Always, always. That's what I was going to say next. I, I, I can't go in the corner and put my head down in the corner because what happens if I do that? Then I get the ostrich syndrome and my butt is left in the air. So and people <laughs> take advantage of you. So you don't, you don't want to do that. You have to keep it going. So I have to get another 2,000 postcards out. And maybe I might get some in February, but just to get my March uh, pipeline starting to get ready. And sometimes I might have home run deals and then the seller just disappears off the uh, place of the, earth, the face of the earth. Yep. Can't get them no more. That, yeah. that happens. So wholesaling is not right for everybody. I think that you need to study each niche to make sure that this is something you want to do and this is something you're willing to strive and struggle for. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I say that all the time, right? Like when you're trying to get into real estate, obviously we talked about earlier focus, right? The one thing, focus on the one thing you want. However, before you can focus, you have to know what you're going to get into to be able to focus on. And so um, for the, for that reason, people who haven't read it yet, uh, check out the biggerpockets.com slash UBG. That's the ultimate beginner's guide to real estate investing. It's just a guide we put together for that very reason is you need to look at the entire picture, at least from a 10,000 foot you know view and then then decide what you want to get to and then focus and then focus more and then focus more. And I'm, I'm huge on that one. So, uh, okay. So we talked about keeping your pipeline filled. I love that. Maybe we can expand on that a little bit. You mentioned direct mail, you mentioned postcards. Uh, maybe you can kind of share your strategy of what, what are you doing with direct mail? On um, direct mail, basically I, I'm just sending out postcards to absentee owner list. Um, I go after code enforcement. I go after delinquent tax. Um, just going out to different lists and I alternate, I, and I alternate it up. So um, with that being said, as said, majority of my deals come from JV. Like I do like three, three joint venture for those who are not familiar with the term JV. Um, I, I do probably three deals a month on average and maybe like one or two of those deals somebody else might bring me. So that's cool. That's cool. I, I mean, how does that even how does that even work as a wholesaler? Like uh, both from the perspective of you as the wholesaler and the guy you're JVing with. I mean, if I'm a newbie wholesaler, how do I find you? How do I work with you? And then at the same time, for you, how do you find me? And how do you guys split the deal? Yep. Fill that in. All right. So um, let me give you a deal that was done. Now this, this is a, a slam dunk deal. So being that this is a slam dunk deal, this, this, these don't happen all the time. So someone um, in another city, uh, he's in New York, he does marketing here in Charlotte. And once he gets the deal in the contract, he brings me the deal so I can find the buyer. 
So we we found this deal for eighty thousand dollars and end up selling it for ninety five thousand dollars in his hot pocket in his neighborhood. So we split it seventy five hundred apiece. And the way we do it with this particular individual, he puts both our names on the contract. So it'd be my entity and his uh, entity on the contract. And we both sign off on the assignment and everything. And then the attorneys have two checks for us. We started doing it like that because when we would send them the joint venture agreement, some attorneys would say, oh, no, we were only paying out to who's on the contract and the assignment. We're not paying out to who's on the joint venture. So so that we don't so to eliminate that um, and the attorney can send two separate wires or I pick up a check and he'll get a wire. It, 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 that's basically how it works. And a lot of people in my market, um, they'll see me at the rear, or get in touch with me on uh, Facebook or my blog or YouTube. And they'll say, hey, I got this deal working. You want to work with me on it? I say, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Nice. So, uh, and I think it's, it, that is such a smart way uh, for newbie wholesalers to get started because it, 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 there's a lot of skills, like you said, you have to be good at. Was it sales, marketing, and what was negotiating? It? Yeah, sales, marketing, negotiation. Like those are the, like skills that you have to develop over time. So if you don't have them when you get started, which I can guarantee most people don't have them when they're getting started, why not work with somebody who does? I think that's just fantastic advice. Yeah. And that's how I got started. Um, I worked with a seasoned investor, a woman here named Lori. Um, great, great individual taught me a lot about the business and I worked with her when I was at, when I was at work, she would go look at the properties. She would, um, talk to the buyers. She would find the buyers. And that's how I got started. Love it. That's great. It's just like that thing I always say, right? It's better to have a 50% of a great deal than a hundred percent of no deal, right? Like partner up with somebody who cares if you're giving them half the profit, who cares if you're giving them 90% of the profit, if you're learning and growing and you can get more next time. So yeah, yeah, I love partnerships. Love it. And what's interesting, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of people and it's always funny because it often happens that at some point somebody gets greedy a little bit, you know, like, Hey, you guys have done a a bunch of deals. And all of a sudden somebody's like, you know, I'm going to do this all on my own. I don't need you anymore. And it's always fun when you hear that story and the guy who kind of got greedy oftentimes ends up failing on their own uh, because it turns out that they actually needed the other person because their skill set was one and the other person brought this different skill set altogether. So yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of cool that, that partnerships tend to work to complement uh, skill sets as well. Hey guys, really quick. This is show 116 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Definitely be sure to check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 116. Um, I've got a, a quick question. I want to take you back a second. You'd mentioned you market code enforcement and delinquent tax um, amongst absentee am- landlords as well. Uh, what is code enforcement? How does that work? Uh, code enforcement leads and delinquent tax leads, uh, those as well. Well, well, code enforcement leads, the, the way that works is in my particular um, city, and it varies city by city, My in my city, it's online. So the people who um, have uh, city violations, and those violations could consist of the, the grass is too high, a tenant reported them because they're not maintaining the property well. It could be um, somebody, uh, a neighbor reported them because they had a hole in the roof and it's messing up the neighborhood. So things like that. And what happens, the city of uh, Charlotte puts those people, they send them a letter to correct them and they put them on this particular website stating that they have an open cold case. Hmm. So I send them, I, I, I market to those people. Fascinating. I wonder if my area has that. I've never looked in... in, in. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that. So that's very cool. Uh, which, of course, I mean, it makes sense because those people are probably, there's a good chance they're going to be motivated to sell because they don't have the money to fix the place up or they just don't care or they're out of the area and they're just forgetting about it and whatever. So you can come and offer them, hey, can I solve your problem for you and, and buy this property from you and you can do cool stuff. So I love that's it. That's great. And what about the delinquent tax? Delinquent tax is the people who don't pay their taxes. So um, they might be in the bind, they might inherit some property and they have another situation or they probably just don't care. They're just not paying the property. However, these people, they have uh, you you have a higher chance of motivation because something's wrong there that they're not paying their taxes. And the city does a lot of the uh, marketing for you because they create a sense of urgency because the city is always threatening to foreclose on them. The city is threatening them to find them and things like that. So the city does uh, creates the urgency for you. So when you market them and they actually call you and you buy the house, they're happy. Yeah, you just yeah. relieved a, a lot of stress from them. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. it. Hey, do you? Uh, 
how do you do your post? I mean, you mentioned postcards. Are you doing letters and postcards? And then how do you do them? Do you print them yourself or do you hire a company to print them for you? I outsource now because I, this year I, I'm not, I don't like to do anything under like 2000 pieces. Um, the reason why I did 1800, because the list was only had 1800 names, but I don't like to do anything under 2000 pieces a month to me worth my time. However, um, I just outsource it to click number two mail.com click two mail.com. Okay. Yep. I've, I've heard of, I never used them, but I've heard people that use them and have good success there. Uh, cool. Okay. Well, shifting gears before we head over to the fire round, you know, one thing that, uh, I talk a lot of, a lot about here on the podcast, on the webinars, on the on the forums, blog, whatever, is becoming a person of action. Somebody who just gets out there and takes action and does it. And this is a major problem with wholesalers, uh, wannabe wholesalers and wannabe flippers, right? Is they're they're very excited about it. They love the idea of getting into the wholesaling, uh, and then they never take action. They never actually do it. But you've kind of always struck me as a person who is like the opposite of that. You always take action. You seem to be an action taker. So I guess my question is. Do you have any tips on people who are struggling with that, struggling with taking action and getting out there and actually doing something with their life? All right. I mean, yeah. And um, I, I thank you for the compliments. But yeah, and I, Les Brown says sometimes you have to jump off the roof and get wings on the way down. And, and, and that's literally just how, just, just how you have to do it. You're going to learn more doing it than reading the book. You're going to learn more doing it than messaging uh, Josh and Brandon on bigger pockets, asking them how to find a motivated seller. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I agree yeah, don't a thousand percent. Don't, don't, blow, don't blow up my PM, please, please, please. <laughs> but you, so, so you just have to take action. And I gained a lot of respect from like lenders who uh, lend me money because the actual hard money lenders – they don't, um, the, the real guys who lend their own money, they only lend to a select few people. And if you're not in that select pool, they'll just tell you, oh, I, I ran out of money. I don't have any funds because they don't know you. And uh, I'm starting to get into that club. And the reason a few of them said they like to deal with me because they said, hey, look, man, you actually get out there and do it. You know, there's been people coming here 10 plus years to the RIA. And other organizations, 10 plus years, and they're still asking, how do you find the motivated seller when we sat in the same yep. seminar five years ago? Yep, yep. And they're still asking the same exact question, but you're out there just doing it. So, you know, people respect action takers because it's, it's, it's not a lot of them. So my advice to people, just get out there and just do it. Just like Nike said, just do it. There you you're going to mess up. You're going to make yep. mistakes. I still make mistakes. Yeah, shit or get off the pot. <laughs> there you go straight like that i mean that's it at, uh, at some point you know you can you could keep talking about making something happen but you know yeah it's okay for a little bit of time to, to talk and talk and talk and that that's fine but you know at a certain point hey you're going to lose respect amongst your peers you're going to lose respect amongst your colleagues and like you said the ria like you if you're that guy who keeps going to the ria and keeps saying hey i'm gonna do it one day guys i'm gonna do it one day and all the all the other people the, the people who have cash who are looking for somebody to give their money to the hard money lenders people who want to partner with somebody and they see that you're the guy that just keeps talking and hoping and crossing your fingers it's going to happen or finally you know getting the nerve to do it you know even once you get there they're going to say yeah but man you are so nervous about doing that i mean it's going to take us forever to close on whatever it takes us to to close on i don't trust that you can deliver cuz you're demonstrating to me that you don't have the nerve to to step it up yep and yes. and and so that's that's so key and and that's you know you, you use the 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 name the duru right and that's yes. that's what it is man you'll do it do it do it that's beautiful yeah yes and Josh let me just uh, say something uh, please um, I try not no. to be I try to no. be brief stop speaking <laughs> <laughs> um, so back in 2012 the fourth back in 2012 I I, I was doing well um, wholesaling um, I keep my monthly expenses extremely low. Um, so I was doing well wholesaling. So I, I had a nice amount saved. And with that being said, I came across a slam dunk deal and I wanted to rehab, rehab it. So I called up three people, three people, um, and said, Hey, look, you want to partner with me? And, and two of them, two of them turned me down and one said yes. And I didn't bring any money to the table. 
All I had to do was bring the deal. And oh, yeah, I paid $500 in earnest money and paid to record the contract downtown because I had to go through the probate process. But he said, man, the reason why we wanted to partner with you, because you're out there getting it done and you're an action taker. And we're watching you. We know that wholesaling is not easy. And you're like one of the only full-time wholesalers in this city that actually wholesale full-time. So we want to help you transition into rehabbing. And we end up making $91,000 on that deal. That's great. That's beautiful. You said something fascinating there. You know, for everybody who's listening to the show, there's a whole hell of a lot of people that are trying to take your money away from you and sell you on the dream of wholesaling full-time. Hey, the guru, this guy, the guru, that guy, they're going to sell you on the dream of being a full-time wholesaler. Obviously, he's exaggerating a little, you know, but I'm sure there's more than you wholesaling full-time in your city. But Yeah, yeah, only a few. But there's only a few, and, and I guarantee you that's true regardless of what city you're in. There, this, this is... Not an wholesaling is not an easy thing to do, and not a lot of people can do it in a manner by which they become a full time wholesaler. It, it really, like, I mean, I've been talking to investors for 10 years through Bigger Pockets. I know very, very few full time wholesalers of all those people, and there's a reason for it. It's not easy. So, yep. uh, thanks for sharing that story. Love it. All right, moving on to the it's time for the fire round. All right. First question of the fire round. What type of contract do you use when you wholesale properties? Is it like an assignment or double close? I like to do assignments. So I do a contract with the uh, homeowner and assignment with my buyer. People used to say I used to make extravagant fees. Somebody had problems with the fee what I'm making. Let's not do business. Let's just go. Let's just go our way. So I like to do assignments. I only use, I only do double close if the buyer requested because of his lender might say, look, I'm not paying assignment fees, you know, and I'll do a double close. Okay. Okay. Good gotcha. to know. Gotcha. All right. What are your best suggestions on how to find distressed properties or motivated sellers? Look at your budget. And if you can spare a um, hundred to $200 a month, I would say go after direct mail. Direct mail because it's going to give you the most bang for your buck because at 42 cent or 40 cent a postcard, you can tap a, a, lot, a lot more people, you know, and potentially getting a deal. Love gotcha. it. Uh, here's a, good, a kind of a cool question. Should I save my money to first get out of debt or save to get my first deal? Hmm. That's definitely a good question. That is a great <laughs> question. Um, my personal recommendation to get a deal. Okay, cool. Um, and, and I say that because depending on your area, depending on your chance, I mean, that deal sometimes can be $2,000. And I've seen some people do as high as 40000 on their first deal. So wow. it varies. Yeah. Or you've seen people lose $7,000 on their first <laughs> flipping deal. Correct. There you go. Correct. I, I'm just saying, man, you know, <laughs> there's a chance of losing money too, right? I mean, yes. Let's be yes. real. And, and that's, you know, that's, it's important. And Brandon harps on that a lot is, you know, odds of you making money on your first deal aren't that great. Yeah. Um, but you can improve that by, by doing the education part and learning. And, and, and that's why I say partner. partner, you can improve it dramatically by working with someone who has a success rate already. Yep. Yep. So. All right. Last question for the fire round, Nasser, what is the single best piece of advice you would give to a newbie? Focus, follow one course until successful. It sounds so simple, but if you follow that, you will have a better real estate investing career and longer than the next guy if you focus it. I didn't start off when I learned about creative real estate doing wholesaling, rehabbing, and landlord all at the same time. I did wholesaling, then transitioned into rehabbing, then got some money and started picking up rentals, but I had to focus on one to get to the next. Makes sense. I couldn't, get, I couldn't study all three at the same time. Yep. Because yep. people just get confused and overwhelmed and then they never do anything and spend correct. all their time planning. So great. Yeah, the, the non-doing doos. The non-doos, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Time for the world famous. Famous four. All right. Famous four. Uh, these questions we ask every single solitary show, all 114 before this, I think we've asked this question. What is your favorite real estate related book and why? 
I'm sorry, man. I know you guys heard this not many times, man. <laughs> That's okay. Man. You talked about it already, man. Yeah, Rich Dad Poor Dad, man. It changed my life. Fabulous. Me too. Fabulous, fabulous. Yes, I knew that was coming. All right. How about business book? All right. Business book is more of a personal development book, but it, it changed my life. It made me take ownership and uh, personal responsibility for my life. It's called You Can Make It Happen by Stedman Graham. Never read Stedman. it. That's Oprah's Stedman. That's correct. Yes. All right. Cool. I did not know that. How would you know that, Josh? I don't know. How Come do you know on, these man. things? I, I know these things. I don't know I'm, these things. I'm, I'm wiser than my years. I, my years are getting up there. So Yeah, they are. <laughs> yes. Wisdom comes with age, young man. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, now, sir, what about hobbies? What do you do for fun? As um, far as doing for fun, um, I, I don't really have fun too much. Um, <laughs> I don't have time for fun. <laughs> yeah, and I, I kind of want to change that. So you can basically say, like, for fun, I, I I really enjoy reading now. So reading and learning more about business. I do vacation, so I, I do do that. And I, I am a foodie, so I love to eat. Nice. nice. Yes, Very I cool. do food for fun as well. <laughs> love it. Yeah, love it, love it. Awesome. All right. My final question of the day. Uh, what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up or fail? The process. I say the process because as someone who is, and I got this from uh, episode 100 when you interviewed Josh, and that was a great, uh, great podcast. That was probably but, the best of all of our shows. <laughs> easily, easily the best guest that you guys have had on the Bigger Pockets podcast. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know about that. So, <laughs> So uh, with that, with, with that being said, one thing that Josh said, which I don't know that he said, which I don't think he knows that he said, but it took. <laughs> I don't know it, what I'm saying, man. <laughs> All right, so we go to bigger pockets and we look at bigger pockets where it is today. We don't think about ten years prior when Josh was struggling to run that site. We don't, we don't, we don't look at that. You know, we don't look about, um, we don't, we don't look at those things, but what we want to do, we just want to come on, uh, Josh's site and say, Hey, look, come to my site. Just like bigger pockets. That's what we want to do. <laughs> you know, we want instant results. Yep. So yep. the people who are ready for the process and ready to deal with the process, those are the people who are going to succeed. Not the people who want to quit their job in 30 days. Yeah. Not the people who want to make life changing money in 90 days. It, it just doesn't happen like that. So let's yeah. say like the average person comes to me, let's say they're 27 years old and they've been making bad choices for the last five years. So you didn't get in that situation overnight, yeah. but yet you want real estate to magically change your situation in 60 days because you really, really need some money. Those are the people who normally don't succeed and the people who are ready for the process and what's going to happen and ready to sacrifice and struggle to get what they want. Those are the people who are going to succeed. Yeah. And, and you know, unfortunately, and, and I, I hate this stat and we, we try and work on this and I'm, it's a fake stat, but it's still a stat, right? Like, like 90% of newbies fail, right? Yeah. Correct. And what, whatever it is. Um, what the real number? Uh, who, who the hell knows? But who cares? The the, the point. I heard is, that like sixty five percent of uh, stats are made up. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the point. The point is like odds are that those people are looking for a quick out. We know when they come to bigger pockets that they're probably going to fail. We know that, and we try our best to see. Hey, how can we build this platform? How can we improve what we do to? lessen the odds of somebody failing if they come to us. And, and that's what we try to do. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to be there mentally. If you're saying, I'm going to do this in 30 days, you're going to fail. I mean, odds are yeah. you're going to fail. You yeah. really need to take a longer approach. That said, you're also, by the way, one of my favorite guests, because I've never had something I've ever said quoted back to me in a positive light. So... <laughs> <laughs> just for that I love you man <laughs> thanks man All right, I love awesome. bigger pockets man thanks, thank you man. that's great so hey listen before we let you go where can people find out more about you where can they obviously they could find you on bigger pockets you got a website you got a YouTube channel talk about that stuff yes um, you can go to my blog at realestateduru.com that's duru d-o-r-u because I actually do this business you can actually <laughs> go to youtube.com slash realestateduru um, find me on Facebook and Twitter under Real Estate Duru and um, Bigger Pockets under NASA El Arabi. 
So yeah. fabulous. Hey man, listen, cool. keep doing it. Keep doing it. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for being a part of our community and keep, keep being successful. You know, it's nice to see you all grown up, you know, doing, <laughs> doing things not so stupidly anymore. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Feels good too. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. All right, yeah. Nasser. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Big, big thanks to Nasser El Rabi for coming on the show. Lots of really cool stuff. It's awesome to hear his story. Uh, guys, just passionate and really enthusiastic. And, you know, it was a great interview. It was a great interview. That guy, I, I like him a lot because, I mean, like his whole name, like the Duru, right? Like yep. he's such an action taker and he's yep. always like, I don't know, pushing people to go out there and do something. Don't just think about it. Don't talk about it. Don't plan it all the time. Just do it. Do something. Make it Get happen. Out there. Make it happen. Yep. I love that. Yep. The Duru. The Duru. Yep. 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 All right. Well, guys, thanks again for listening. Definitely. Definitely. If you're loving what we're putting out there, please jump on iTunes and leave us some feedback. Leave us reviews and ratings on iTunes. Definitely helps us get the word out. Beyond that, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash biggerpockets, Twitter, twitter.com slash biggerpockets. And most importantly, if you are not active on biggerpockets.com, please jump in, create a free account today at biggerpockets.com, create a profile, get in there, engage, connect with the community, start to make friends and start to make connections and, and get out there and make it happen. So that's all I got for you today. Thanks for listening. I am Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio. Simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.